we began here at Chabad of the Five Towns an initiative at the very beginning of this past Jewish year, 5781, uh, to study the 10 mitzvah campaigns, the mitzvahim of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, and roughly to cover one of those campaigns every month. This initiative to study those campaigns and, and, and also obviously to implement them was dedicated in memory of a member of our community, Dinelea Rosenzweig Shalom, and we have repeatedly made clear that everything that is happening as an outgrowth of these classes, not just the learning itself, which is already a great merit, but these classes are about mitzvahs, and not just about people doing mitzvahs, but getting other people to do mitzvahs. So this whole ripple effect of kindness and love and concern for our fellows and all the good that's coming from it is all in honor of Dinalea, whose first yard site is Gimel, Elo, meaning in two days from now. And at the completion now, this is the completion of the year of classes, and we didn't know when we set it up, but it's also coinciding with the completion of the of the f of the first year of the the first yard site. And uh, we pray that in the merit of all the mitzvahs that are being done from these classes, we should see Mashiach already. We should be reunited with Dinale before the yard site. So it's actually quite appropriate that we're, again, these things were set up in advance, not necessarily with any particular uh, forethought. And then you see the hashgacha as you go along. Today's Mivza, today's campaign that we're studying is Mivza Chinuch, the education campaign. And it struck me as, uh, as, a, as I was preparing for the, the class how appropriate it is that <clears throat> we're talking about the, the Rebbe's education campaign when we are talking about a young person who had so much influence and clearly is continuing to have so much influence. I mean, just right here in this room, the fact that we're here and we're studying is all, uh, is all part of that. And the Rebbe's approach to education was that young people are influencers. You know, there's that old expression, I don't know where it really comes from, but children should be seen and not heard. And uh, the Rebbe really sort of channeled the fact that sometimes children do want to be heard and children do want to be, uh, they want to leave a mark, they want to speak their minds. And therefore that shouldn't be suppressed, that should actually be used out in a productive way. So a lot of the idea of Mivtza Chinuch 
is channeling the natural tendencies of children, not to suppress it, but actually to, to use it in, uh, in unique ways that children with their, their endless energy and their competitive spirit and their, uh, their, their lack of inhibition, all of these qualities can be, can be applied in a, in a good way to, to furthering their own education as well as the education of others. Okay, but before, we'll, we'll get back to that, God willing, we'll get back to, we'll talk about that a little bit more, but I wanna do like we've been doing every, um, every class, we give like a little bit of a historical background as far as the, the Mifza. So we've spoken about before that the first of the 10 Mivtsayim to be launched was Mivtsa Tfilim, the Tfilim campaign. And that coincided with the buildup to the Six Day War. During the days leading up to the Six Day War, we're talking about spring of 67, the Rebbe started pushing with an urgency that Tfilin promotes safety, the safety of the Jewish people all over the world. And that was the first mitzvah campaign. Later on, about seven years later, after, well, six, seven years later, after the um, Yom Kippur War, or Yom Kippur War 73, yeah, okay. So after the Yom Kippur War, um, but not exactly right after it, a little, uh, towards the end of, the, of that same year, the Rebbe launched some more uh, campaigns. And it was related to the aftermath of the Yom Kippur War that Rebbe spoke about the morale of the soldiers. And this isn't just for the soldiers, but this is for everybody. And uh, so e throughout the year of 1974, the Rebbe launched the campaigns of Tzedakah and of Torah and Bayas Mali Svarim to have a home full of Torah books, uh, Mezuzah and Shabbos candles. That was throughout, at various points throughout 1974. The year after that, throughout 1975, then the Rebbe launched Taras right, Mikvah, Family Purity. And kashras, the dietary laws, promotion of the dietary laws. So what is that? Eight, right? That's about that's uh, that's eight of them. You want to count it out? You weren't counting? Let's count. We have tefillin. That was the first one. Then tzedakah, Torah, bias malisvarim, mezuzah, Shabbos candles, taras mishpacha, kashras. Okay, so we have eight. So there's only two left. The two that are remaining, one of them is Chinuch, we're going to speak about today. The other is Aves Yisrael. Chinuch and Aves Yisrael were often referred to as general Mivtsoyim. In fact, later on, after all ten Mivtsoyim were launched and the Rebbe would refer to the Mivtsoyim and list them, the Rebbe would often mention Aves Yisrael and Chinuch first, even though they were really launched last, but they were sort of umbrella campaigns because Every, every Mivtzah is Aves Yisrael and every Mivtzah is Chinuch. Because Aves Yisrael is caring about somebody else, so uh, the campaigns by, by nature inherently are about influencing others. 
and, and, and chinuch is education. So every, every, when you help somebody do a mitzvah, obviously you're, you're educating them. So all the mitzvahim are under the umbrellas of chinuch and avisro. Nevertheless, like the Rebbe said, when he launched mitzvah chinuch, that even though it's a mitzvah klali, it's an aggregate campaign, it's also keveya brachala atzma. It's, it's uh, he used the rabbinic idiom to mean that it, 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 it has its own significance unto itself as a campaign uh, unto itself. So when was that? That was in the spring of 1976. Shabbos Mavorchem Chodesh meaning the last Shabbos of the month of Nisan, the first Shabbos before the month of Iyar in 1976. Tov Shin Lamed Vav. Okay. So the Rebbe launched a Mivza Chinuch. And there were three Fabrengans right in a row, all in conjunction with uh, Mivza Chinuch. Also, the Rebbe mentioned the idea of a Shnas HaChinuch, a year of education. And uh, many of you are familiar with the Lubavitcher Rebbe's connection with the Lagbaimer parades. That's a, that's a famous thing, Lagbaimer parades on, on, on Eastern Parkway. Generally speaking, Lagbaimer parades were something that took place, you know this historically, that generally, if, if Lagbaimer was on a Sunday, it would generally take place on a Sunday. And that year, Tov Shin Lamevov, 1976, Lagbaimer was on a Tuesday. But the Rebbe had just launched Mivtsuchinuch and declared that Tavshin Lamed Vav, as well as the following year of Tavshin Lamed Zayin, should be a Shnasa Chinuch, a year of education. So uh, the Chassidim took the hint. I think it was mostly Bachram who took the initiative. And they came to the Rebbe and they said, can we do a Lag parade even though it's going to be on a Tuesday? It's a weekday, kids are in school, it's hard to get a crowd. So the Rebbe said, if you can get a good crowd, then let's do it. And, and there was indeed a, uh, a Lag Boimer parade that year, even though it was a Tuesday. Lag Boimer is the 18th of year. So if you think about it, um, you're talking about a couple weeks from the launch of the campaign and the declaration of the Shnasa Chinuch until, until uh, Lag Boimer. Now, I should also mention that the 12 Sukkim were a big part of the Mivtza Chinuch. And they were not rolled out all at once. They were rolled out six and six. The first six of the 12 Sukkim were announced at the Fabrengen Aleph Duresh Chodesh Iyer. What did I say before? That there were three Fabrengens? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So at the Fabrengen of Aleph Duresh Chodesh Iyer, the Rebbe announced six Psukim. Two actual Psukim, meaning scriptural verses. Two, Maimore Chazal, that means sayings of the sages from Teir Shabal Peh, from the oral tradition. And two lines from Tanya. And as far as they knew, that's all they had. At that Lag Boimer parade that fell on a Tuesday, in front of 770, they had giant banners of the six psukim. You can see pictures, the six psukim. And then at that Lag Boimer rally, the Rebbe added... Six more psukim, with the same exact pattern. Again, two scriptural verses, two sayings of the sages from the oral tradition, and two lines from Tanya. So you have two, 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 two.
that same structure uh, in, uh, in throughout the 12th Sukkot. Uh, in fact, I'll tell you something else that people don't really uh, realize, but the two lines of Tanya from the second six of the 12th Sukkim are both from the same chapter. They're from chapter 33. Because Lag Bo'emer is the 33rd day of the Oimer. So the two Psukim of Tanya that were launched on that day are both from chapter 33. Um, let's go back to these Fabrengans, the first few Fabrengans at the beginning of Chodesh Iyer, when the Rebbe launched the campaign. There were a few aspects of Mivtzuchinuch, and I want to just try to hit all of them. Okay, the first one is the idea of chinuch with oneself. That we tend to think of education as a relationship between two parties, teacher and student. But before we even go out and educate others, there's something called the education of oneself. And that applies not only to children, it applies also to children, but not only to children. And the Rebbe actually even mentioned that at a Fabrengen, people are asking, how can I say that education applies even to adults, and not only to adults, even to Torah scholars? Chinuch, you know, it's like it has a certain connotation. Maybe it had a certain connotation of being sort of pediatric. It's for children. Chinuch's for kids. And, and the Rebbe was saying, no, actually, chinuch is not just for kids. Chinuch is for adults, and it's even for Torah scholars. And I'll explain to you how. Because Torah is infinite. <laughs> so however much you have already studied, there's an infinite more still to learn. And uh, the Rebbe always backed up everything with a source from, from Nigla, from the legalistic aspects of the Torah. So the Rebbe mentioned, by the way, when a kohen begins serving in the Beis HaMikdash. He's been training, but now he actually serves. He does the Avedah of the Beis HaMikdash. He brings something called a Minchas Chinuch. He brings a flower offering, which is an inaugural offering to install him as a, as a coin. And then when that same coin, not all of them make it, but uh, eventually you know, uh, there's a coin Gadol, right? So when a coin, a regular coin, coin Hedyut, becomes a coin Gadol, he brings a Korban Chinuch, to elevate himself to the status of Kain Gadol. So the Rebbe pointed out that the word Chinuch is not uh, limited to children. Chinuch is any time you're entering into a new stage in life. And hopefully we're all infinitely growing. We're all, we're all entering new stages in life all the time. The Rebbe used a very powerful and also very uh, colorful expression that you know how there's the, the idea of you bring a child to, uh, to school to learn Aleph base. So the Rebbe spoke about the idea of which literally means to bring yourself to school. You know, there's a when you bring the child to, to school for the first day. Bring yourself Bring yourself to Cheder, bring yourself to school. That's like just the whole approach to life, that we're always approaching things with a sense of wonder and the eagerness to learn and, and teachability and uh, excitement and freshness. So, 
you know, be teachable, be humble, and like bring yourself to school. That's a, it's an attitude toward life. It's like everything can be a, te a teachable moment, and there, there's always more to learn. So that's one of the, the foundations of Mivtzachinuch, is the idea of everybody is a student. We are lifelong students, and you could be an adult, you can be the greatest Torah scholar, but you, you always remain a, a student. Okay. So that's one, that's one uh, big idea of Mivtzah Chinuch. Another big idea is educating others. So there's educating self and there's educating others. Regarding educating others, like I mentioned before, the Rebbe said that all of the Mivtzahim are really Mivtzah Chinuch because every mitzvah campaign is about influencing others. And anytime you're influencing somebody, you're educating them. So what does it mean to educate others? It means to be a good influence. It means to take responsibility, maybe call this good citizenship or good Jewish citizenship, where you, uh, you're not just concerned with your own Yiddishkeit, but you take responsibility. What can you do to promote Yiddishkeit? generally in the community, but also with, with individuals, and it doesn't have to be people that you already know. You can insert yourself into their lives because, after all, all Jews are guarantors for one another. And Mivtzah uh, is basically a call to, to care about other people's spiritual growth. Um, so that's, that's another, that's another uh, foundational concept. All right. Another is maybe what I'll call like the more conventional, basically the promotion of enrollment in Jewish schools and camps. That was part of Mivtzah Chinuch as well. And that's more of the, you know, the, I guess you would call it the classic concept of education is Moistais Chinuch, educational institutions, specifically schools and camps that have put a big emphasis on camps, that camps have a special uh, advantage that uh, it's an immersive environment. Uh, and, and another thing that I would point out about, about camps, counterintuitive, because you would think that camps are sort of, if you compare them to schools, school is more Torah study and, and camp is less. But from another angle that I've said, you know, even the children who go to schools where they have Lumadei Choyl and they have to study secular subjects, in the summer they're free from those obligations. <laughs> so the summer is all Torah, right? A little soccer and the... You know, other things too, but yeah, it's all it's all Torah. So the Rebbe was very big into camps, and obviously, you know, that time of year, Chodesh Iyer, the the springtime is a time for uh, enrolling in camps. And when the when the campaign was launched, obviously that was a big big part of the campaign, and continues to be a big part of the campaign, is to try to get child, uh, Jewish children enrolled in proper Jewish schools. Okay. Um, oh, and also I just, I just want to mention that the Rebbe also spoke to those who are the Manale Moistais, those who are the administration of the educational institutions, and uh, pleaded with them to provide free education as much as possible, and suggested an idea of a miser, just like an individual gives 10% of his or her wealth as tzedakah, that a school should allot 10% of tuition to be paid for by the school. That 10% of tuition should be free. And, uh, 
And the Rebbe said, just like an individual who gives 10% of their wealth, they don't lose anything by this. It actually only brings blessing into the 90% that they keep. So to a school who makes sure to give away 10% of their education for free, this will strengthen the, uh, the overall education in the school. And uh, regarding this, and as well as other things uh, connected to Mivtzah Chinuch, the Rebbe often said, and I don't want this to be a copyright, <laughs> meaning I don't need this to be proprietary. Is that the word, proprietary? It's a, it doesn't have to be a Lubavitcher thing. Anyone who wants can steal these ideas, and uh, I'll be more than happy if everyone starts doing this and I get no credit whatsoever. You know, that's... This is this for the good of the community. Okay. So we spoke about education with yourself, education with others, spoke about the traditional, conventional sense of promoting educational institutions. Now I want to talk about two more concepts, and this is what I want to dwell on. Um, two more concepts which are traditional but radical. Like so many things that the Rebbe introduced, it's traditional, meaning you can find it sourced in our classic uh, sources. But it's radical because it's like, who does this? Who speaks this way? Um, you know, it's like, <laughs> this is so new, and, and yet so, so grounded in tradition. The two concepts I want to talk about is this. The idea of chinuch um, with the very, very, very young, meaning including infants. And then the other idea is chinuch, meaning children are not only to be educated, but they're educators. Children, even even small children are educators. We alluded to it earlier. Okay, regarding chinuch with the very, very, very young. In these sikhs, the Rebbe was speaking about the idea that chinuch begins uh, in utero, that children start to be educated before they even are born. Now, um, that's something that increasingly the science supports but it's sort of a radical statement for 1976. And uh, the Rebbe was saying that everything that happens in the environment around a child is education. It's all education. Education isn't just your first day of school when you sit down and somebody gives you a class. Education is from the moment you begin to become aware of your environment, you're being educated, you're being influenced one way or another, one way or another. You know, we can't control the fact whether someone's being educated. We're always being educated. The question is, what's the education that we're getting? That we can control. So the Rebbe spoke about children being educated from the time before they're born. And then, of course, when they are born, they're, all, they're, they're certainly being educated. You know, the, 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 there's a minig, there's a Jewish custom that you put up a shiramalis card. When a, when a woman uh, gives birth, you put up a little card with shiramalis with a little psukim on it and Kabbalistic uh, sayings. So most people think of that as protection or bringing some type of you know, spiritual uh, merit. But uh, the Rebbe spoke about it as well as, a, as an educational tool. That when the child is born, they should already be in an environment where they're absorbing this kind of influence. So the Shiramalis is there, like, uh, like a teacher would decorate a classroom, let's say, you know before the first day of school and the teacher gets to, to, to the class and puts up all the, all the, the, the educational, uh, what do you call that stuff? The poster, yeah, but there's a, there's a term for it. There's like a fancy term for it. Paraphernalia, that's a fancy term. 
No, but the, the educational stuff that you put up on the, on the walls. So that's, that's what the Shiramala's card is. Um, and then I've spoke about lullabies, you know, what you sing to the child when you're rocking them to sleep. You know, instead of just thinking about it as I'm trying to soothe the child, I'm trying to get them to sleep. No, it, 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 it's, it, yes, it's that, but it's also, it's, it's educational. So what you sing to them has an influence. Um, the Rebbe spoke about, uh, I mean, this, this is a famous thing. A lot of people know about this, and they question this. They have a hard time with it. I, I've heard many people have asked me personally, really, is this to such an extent do you really have to do this? The Rebbe really said this. The stuffed animals thing, teddy bears. People get uptight about that, the teddy bears. The Rebbe said everything's educational. So if you have an opportunity to give a child a stuffed animal that they're going to have an, an affinity for, that's going to symbolize comfort to them, why not have it be a kosher animal? Why not? In other words, you know, people can get very bogged down in this as like you know a technical thing. But if you understand the spirit of it, the spirit of it is everything is educational. Every all stimuli impart some message, some messaging. And if you're proactive and deliberate about that, then you're going to take advantage of that. So what you sing to the child and the, the decorations in the child's room and the, the stuffed animals that they play with, the toys that they play with, whatever it is that you give to the child, it's all educational. Okay. Yeah? Even before, like there's, I know like pregnant women, let's say not to go to different places that have influenced something. Okay. So actually, it's interesting you mentioning that because, as I mentioned, all these radical things that the Rebbe would speak about are also very traditional. And I also mentioned how everything that the, the Rebbe would say, he'd always find a legalistic source. So yeah, there is such a concept, maybe you're alluding to this, in, in, in Halacha, that uh, talks, talks about it in, in Chazal, that if a woman's coming out of the mikvah and she says an impure animal, that... Uh, there's such an idea of going back <clears throat> because the first thing she saw was a, was an impure thing. There's also a story of Rabbi Yechanan who used to uh, stand outside of the mikveh so the people should see the, the face of a tzaddik as, they, as the women come out of the mikveh. You could ask your local Orthodox rabbi as far as the implementation of it, but definitely the spirit, the spirit is um, grounded in in our tradition, and uh, you know how, how meticulous you want to be about it. Again, you ask your uh, your rav, you ask your mashpia. So that's one thing: the idea of education being even for the very, very, very young, even for infants. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about, I told you, remember what? Remember, children as educators, right? Okay. <laughs> Children as educators. By the way, the Shiramalus card that I've also said, that's an example of a child being an educator. Yeah. yeah. You know how? Because if it weren't for this little baby being born, no one would have brought the Shiramalus card. So the, the child's first act in the world is they caused words of Torah should be at this hospital. Mm -hmm. So the minute they enter the world, they're already influencing their environment. Children as educators, that's a big thing. And as I mentioned, you know, everything that Ebbe would say that was radical was also very, very traditional, very grounded in our, in our uh, classical sources. There's a, there's a Gomorrah, Bova Metzia, um, 
stuff, pay hey omid base. Where Rabbi Hanina and Rabbi Chia are having a dispute. And Rabbi Hanina says to Rabbi Chia, he says, You're arguing with me? Do you know who you're arguing with? If the entire Torah would be lost, meaning our entire tradition would be lost, I could reconstruct it through my power of pilpul. Meaning, I have such a, a, a methodology that's so powerful that even if we lost the whole Tirisha Balpeh, I could replicate it, I could reconstruct it accurately through deduction. So Rebchia says, do you know who you're talking to? He says, I saved the whole Torah from being lost. <laughs> he says, what did I do? Uh, there was a time of crisis, of educational crisis. Torah Shabbat was in, uh, in danger of being lost. Our tradition was in danger of being lost. So I, what did I do? A whole process. I got these, uh, I planted flax, and I grew the flax. And then from the flax, I spun um, linen, and I made nets. And with the nets, I caught deer. And because, uh, you know, you can't hunt the deer because it makes them treif if you shoot them with the arrow, you know. So uh, I caught the deer with nets. And then I shachted the deer. And then I gave the meat to orphans. And then the skin I used and I made Torah scrolls. And I found, I would go to a community and I would find one little boy to learn Chumash Bereshis. And another little boy to learn Chumash Shmois. And a little, another little boy to learn Vayikra and Bamidba and Dvarim. Five little boys, each one learning one Chumash, one of the five books of Moses. And then I took six more boys and one to learn each Seder of, of Mishnah. So one, one will learn Zrayim, and so on and so forth. <coughs> so 11 kids in, in every town, right? So the five books of Moses and the six, uh, the six orders of the Mishnah. And uh, then I would leave and do this in another town. But before I would leave, I would tell them, and now each one of you teach all the others, right? Teach all the others. So that's how I saved the entire Torah from being lost. The Rebbe, first of all, brings out the idea of precedent, that we most certainly do have an idea of children being educators. And uh, this is what the, the, the Gemara says. It says that the Rebbe said, How great are the acts, the deeds of Rebchia. Rebchia saved the entire Torah. How did he do it? Through educating youngsters. So first of all, we have precedent. But also there's another thing. What do we learn from this? Educational milestones. You may think that in the hierarchy of educational milestones, that if you complete Sefer Bereshis, if you complete the study of the first, the five books of Moses, what is the next educational milestone? You study Sefer Shmois. No, incorrect. Incorrect. Because this story teaches us that if you complete the study of Sefer Bereshis, the next order of business is you teach Sefer Bereshis. That's right. That's correct. So each of these children became an educator in their specialty immediately upon completing it. And then they all learned from each other. So the idea of children as educators is something that's grounded in our tradition. But the Rebbe really took it and ran with it and, and, and made it a real thing. Now I mentioned at the beginning of the class that this is sort of like the opposite of children should be seen and not heard. The Rebbe spoke about this explicitly, that children have a certain 
nature, where they're not shy, when they know information, they're very proud of it. When a little kid knows something that another little kid doesn't know, what do they want to do? They want to run up and tell them, hey, guess what? You know, and they want to tell the other kid. So let's harness that. Let's channel that nature that it should be used in a, in, in a, in a Torah way. Hmm? Reb Chia taught them. So he, he taught each one their specialty, and then, and then he left oh, okay. and said, now you teach each other, and he did it on another, in another village. He went from village to village wow. to amplify. Because if he would have stayed and taught each one of them, then he wouldn't be able to replicate it. But because he, he taught each one only their specialty, and then he said, now teach each other, and then he left town and did it in another town, in another town, in another town. So that, that, that was the method, how he did it. Okay, now, I mentioned before the 12 psukim, right? That was first the 6 psukim on Rosh Chodesh Iyer, and then the, another 6 psukim on, on Lag Bomer, which fell on a Tuesday. <laughs> the 12 psukim, a lot of people don't realize what the 12 psukim were designed for. The 12 psukim were designed to be tools for children as educators. That's what they were for. And I've said it explicitly. That what, you know, a lot of people ask, why these 12 sukkim? Like, what, what about them? Are these the fundamentals of Yiddishkeit? Is this like the Yud Gilmol Ikrim for children? Like, what, what, what's, what's the deal? The Rebbe said very explicitly why these, these 12 things were, were chosen. The Rebbe said these are ideas that children can understand. That's why they were chosen. They're, they were chosen because they're ideas that a child can understand, and not only to understand on their own level, for their own for their own understanding but that they could understand thoroughly enough that they could go out and teach it to other children so the 12 sukkim really was to give children um fodder to give <laughs> to give them material what to talk about and then it paints a, a, a beautiful picture uh, describing how the psukim are supposed to be used the rebbe describes children playing and in the midst of playing, just sort of as a natural thing, one of them starts telling the others about one of these psukim. Because the idea of the posik is so clear to him and so intuitive and he, he understands it so well and he's so proud that he understands it. It's just a natural thing that he wants to explain it to the other kids. So that's what the 12 psukim were really designed for. If I could insert a little bit of social commentary the idea of the memorization of the psukim, while certainly a holy thing, and the Rebbe himself, you should know, participated in um, when when the educators instituted that the parts of the children, a part of the children's rally, should be re reciting the twelve psukim by heart. So the Rebbe took part in that. So clearly, it was something that Rebbe accepted and encouraged, and it's uh, an important thing to know the, the the verses by heart. However, that's not the end. It's not just memorization. It's not just knowing it by rote, the point was that the children should understand the ideas. And I think if there's anything that we could do as far as Mivtzah Chinuch, I mean, there's a lot of things we can do, but one suggestion I could make, even people who are Lubavitchers and card-carrying Lubavitchers and are doing a lot already for Mivtzah Chinuch and all of the Rebbe's Mivtzahim, I think one area that definitely, no question, in my observation from what I've seen out there, could definitely be strengthened is, and much has been done, I want to say much has been done, but so much more can be done, is 
to use the 12 psukim in the fullest way the way the Rebbe envisioned it, which is these, these are not just words to be memorized, but these are ideas that were chosen because they lend themselves to comprehension on a child's level, and that children should, should be so uh, thoroughly uh, familiar with the ideas, not just the words, the ideas that they can go and teach them to others. You know, just as an aside, the, the third verse, Behold over there, wasn't even explicitly chosen until after the Fabrengen. The Rebbe just said, an Inyan von Yitzias Mitzrayim. Meaning to say, it wasn't even so much the words, it was the idea. Um, and, and the Rebbe also said, that you could choose un- other psukim as long as they have the same content. Now, I'll, I'll go with the psukim that the Rebbe chose. I'm not going <laughs> to suggest different psukim. I'll go with the ones that the Rebbe said at the Fabrengen. My point is to illustrate that the Rebbe wasn't so attached to the wording as much as the ideas. So the Rebbe said, if you want to choose other psukim, also choose other psukim. They, they were chosen not because of the wording, but because of the, the ideas that they represent. So that's definitely an important thing. And again, the idea is that children should understand it and be able to teach it. The children are, are educators. Okay. Um, another thing I want to say in, in regards to that is that you know, when the Rebbe taught the, the meaning of the 12 psukim, one of the things that I noted was that, you know, obviously we're explaining this on a child's level because the whole point is the child should understand it, but you should understand the way that Torah works is that every level of Torah explanation is connected to all other levels. That's sort of like, the, that's just the, the, the nature of Torah, the, the achdos of Torah, the oneness, the underlying oneness of Torah. So that contained within the explanation that a child can follow are the deepest, deepest, deepest secrets of the Torah. And that with time, they sort of unpack it and discover it. So it's not like we're dumbing it down, chas v'shalom. It's not like, oh, here's the kitty version. No, no, no. This is the deepest version. It's just translated. And with the time, you'll see how the deepest ideas were, were in there as well. Now, having said that, uh, I, that sort of brings me to another point which is the Rebbe as, um, as a teacher of children. The Rebbe would say sikhas to children, which is a, a really unheard of that a Jewish leader should directly speak to groups of children with, with talks that are geared for the children in the language of children, using examples that are relatable to children. It's just... It's, it's rather amazing if you think about the fact that you know, the, the Rebbe had many shluchim, educators, uh, activists who could relay his message to the children. And yet the Rebbe would speak directly. At times, 770 would be cleared out from the adults and they would have children come in and the Rebbe would speak to assemblies of, of children. And the Rebbe would say sikhas for children. And these sikhas if you look at what, what the Rebbe is talking about, the Rebbe is using examples. Like when the Rebbe is talking about a moral dilemma, about the Yetzirah and the Yetzirah So the Rebbe will use examples that are relatable to a child. The Rebbe will say, like, you come downstairs and you didn't wash Netilis Yedayim yet, but there are cookies and your, your, your siblings are eating them and you're afraid if you take time to go wash your hands that you're going to miss out and you're not going to get a cookie. And your parent asks you, did you wash your hands yet? And you have this whole dilemma. 
And it's, just, it's actually rather amazing to think about somebody on that level, also somebody who did not have his own biological children, describing scenarios that are so relevant and so realistic to an audience of children. It's just a remarkable idea. But if you think about it, the Rebbe had said already that even in the simplest explanations of Torah are contained all the deepest secrets of Torah. So, you know, when you, when you look at these sikhas to the children, it's not it's like a watered down, diluted, chas v'shalom version of Torah. In the sikhas to children are contained the deepest secrets of the Torah. And in fact, there's a series of books, which I highly, highly recommend, called The Rebbe Kinder in Yiddish. The, the original Yiddish transcripts are called The Rebbe Kinder, but it's also translated in Hebrew and in English and perhaps even in other languages. I'm sure it's in other languages. And Sivas Hashem put it out. And in fact, I'll just put in a personal plug. If you go to soulwords.org, <laughs> there's a section in soulwords.org, which is my website, you go to the top um, of the homepage, there's a bunch of series. So, you know, they have different series, like the Tanya class and the Shadar B'Tochen class and Parsha classes. Miftzoyim, um, this series is one of the series, the Miftzoyim class. But then there's a series called the Rebbe Kinder. And those are these sikhas, the sikhas the that the Rebbe spoke two children. You watch them, and what, it, what is the series of classes? This is something that I did in conjunction with Sivas Hashem. I just take the sikha, as the Rebbe said it to the children, and, and, I, and I teach it. And, and I, my objective when I did these classes was to try to point out how, on one hand, the language is so accessible, and yet, if you look deeply, you see there's so much, oh, so much profundity hidden within the words there. So definitely do yourself a favor. Go learn these sikhas, whether from the, the transcripts or from the classes on soul words. But uh, it's, it's really a remarkable thing that not only the Rebbe took time to, to address children, specifically to address children, but that you'll see the style. You can see how, how the Rebbe is putting so much depth into these talks. It's not, uh, it's not simple stuff. It is simple, yet it, and yet it's not. Now, I, so, so you understand. Why am I mentioning it in this capacity? Because the sikhas to children was all an outgrowth of Mifzah Chinuch. It was all part of this. Um, the sikhas to children started in, I think, Tafshin Lamed Ches, I believe. Um, it started in Lamed Ches, meaning... Mivtzachinuch started Lamed Vav, and Shnasachinuch was Lamed Vav, Lamed Zayin. And I believe the, the, the Sichas to children, the rallies started Lamed Ches and Hanukkah, or when they would come back from camp, there were a few times a year. And then obviously in, in Mem Aleph in 1981, when Tzivas Hashem, the world's largest Jew, Jewish youth organization, was launched, then uh, it became the Tzivas Hashem rallies. And uh, that, that was the, the milieu for the, for the Sichas to children. Um, so much more, so, so much more to say. I mean, uh, I, I, I don't think we can finish without mentioning that the uh, National Education and Sharing Day, which is enacted every year as an act of Congress on the Rebbe's birthday, that was an outgrowth of Mifzah Chinuch, that the first um, Education and Sharing Day 
was 5738, you know, uh, 1978, the Rebbe's birthday, Yud Aleph Nissen. Uh, and and in, that, in, in the original um, enactment of Congress, it mentions that this is the, the end of the, or the culmination, I should say, of the Shnasa Chinuch, of the Year of Chinuch, and the Rebbe's education campaign. And uh, related to that was also the Rebbe's push for a moment of silence, that there should be a non-sectarian moment of silence for children in all schools, not just in Jewish schools. The idea of Mitzvah Chinuch was well beyond just uh, Jewish schools and well beyond the Jewish world. You know, Chinuch is, is for, for every, every human being. Um, yeah, okay, there's so, so, so much more, so much more. I, I'll just share with you one, one last thing, and to me it's special, I don't know, maybe it's because I, I have a lot of girls, Kenan Hara, but after the Rebbe launched the 12 Sukkim, so they made a booklet, and a booklet with the, the 12 Sukkim, so they, they, they submitted the booklet to the Rebbe for review, and one of the comments that Rebbe had was on the cover of the booklet, they had a picture of a little boy, and the Rebbe said, there's a little boy, but where's the little girl? <laughs> where's the little girl? <sighs> so, uh, it, 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 it's, it's remarkable. It's remarkable how the Rebbe looked at everyone. Men and women, boys and girls, and just saw potential. The Rebbe saw leaders, the Rebbe saw teachers, educators, influencers in, in all of us. And that's really the spirit of Mivtzah Chinuch. Mivtzah Chinuch is about each one of us being empowered, being deputized by the leader of our generation, that we should go out and, and educate ourselves, educate others, educate the world. It's a, it's a powerful, it's a powerful thing. And of course, let's remember that uh, there will come a time, God willing, speedily, when our prophets have predicted that none, none of us will have to teach each other anymore at all. We're told when Mashiach comes, no longer will one man teach his brother, saying, come and know the Lord, because they will all know me, says Hashem. Hashem says, everyone will know me directly. So we won't need to teach each other. But until that time, the way we bring about that time is by teaching each other, teaching ourselves, teaching others.